Hello, this is the Urban Guru again, here with another podcast featuring insights from artists of color. Today's podcast is an interview which took place at the BlurredCon 2019, which was held in Crystal City, Virginia. For those of you who may not know, BlurredCon is a science fiction and fantasy convention which focuses on black nerds and their place in the larger nerd community, as well as highlighting artists and creators of color. My name is Melquia Smith. I'm the illustrator behind Pretty Kitty Commissions. My illustrations is like my heart on my sleeve and my heart on a table. And this is a like a accumulation or conglomeration of like every influence I've had as a kid, every influence I've had um, as an adult, and just all of my passions, my interests, everything just balled into one. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to this interview here at the BlurredCon 2019. Um, to get this interview off to a start, I wanted to begin with a simple question that I ask all of the creative people. And basically that is, how long have you been a creative person? How long have you been drawing and creating your unique characters and creations? I have been drawing, creating, being my most creative self for my entire life. I was always that kid in the corner that's always drawing. Um, when it was school, uh, when we, and during school, when we'd have like those, um, like those class projects and they're like, all right, you have to go ahead and, um, you know, design a flyer or something. And all the kids would just be like, and I'm just like, <laughs> and I mind you, I was an unpopular kid. They only liked me because I was able to draw well. And then every, um, every project I had, I always got like a hundred, 110 because, <laughs> because I put so much, you know, soul and heart into it. So when I decided to finally do my anthropomorphic characters, I got, oh man, there've been, there's been so many influences from like your Spyro the Hedgehog, or Spyro the Dragon, Sonic the Hedgehog, um, Crash Bandicoot, all of that from your Disney movies. And it just became just a, just a constant fuel. So. The response I got to that was pretty much just like, oh, you need to think outside the box. You need to be a little bit more um, towards like a gen generic or a general audience. Um, maybe you should try drawing people. Maybe you should, um, just like a lot of you shoulds or um, I guess inserting suggestions into the thing that, you know, I want to do. Like recently I had a suggestion to go into doing like abstract art, but that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be known as an abstract artist. I want to be known as the person that draws animal people and kills it drawing animal people because that's my passion. I don't know how it started or where it came from, but it was just something kind of ingrained in me. This is the best way I express myself. I think everybody looks adorable with ears and tails. Um, and um, That's pretty much just like what jazzes me up and sets me on fire. Like that's exactly like what I want to do. And that's why I'm getting into children's book illustrations because a lot of children's book um, a lot of children's book series they tend to have a, um, sometimes a lot of animal characters and it's a lot easier to relate to animal characters than to relate as human. So like think your Zootopia where um, where you've got Nick Wilde touching the sheep's wool and Judy's like you can't touch a sheep's wool and I'm like oh I feel that oh my god <laughs> so it's. You know, it's in mainstream media. That kind of stuff is 
you know, seen more than what you expect. And it's like trying to find where my art fits in. That I think that's been the hardest part because, you know, I wanted to become a professional illustrator. I didn't know how to do it. Like I stayed in the furry fandom, but I was like, maybe I should venture out and see what other opportunities are there. So that's pretty much the, that's pretty much a lot of like, not necessarily the backlash, but a lot of like the conversation that a lot of people tried to say is like, try to be something generic. And I'm like, no, cause that's not me. <laughs> I'm completely different than that. There are people that specifically come to me for what I do. And it's like finding your niche and finding your tribe. I was, I was actually having this dilemma um, when I was trying to solidify like my children's book career. It's like, I, you know, I was like, maybe I should focus on learning how to draw humans a little bit better. And uh, a peer came up to me and said, no, you may feel like you're limiting yourself, but what you're doing is you're allowing the people that are looking for you to find you a lot easier by doing what you love. So yeah, I pretty much had to come to terms with that. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to be paid, you know, I want to look at that email with a lot of G's and a lot of zeros like, yep, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. What advice would you give to young artists or young creative people who are just starting out? When you reflect on your experience, what advice would you give to them? It's a little generic to say, stay true to yourself. Um, because sometimes staying true to yourself is tough, especially when everybody else is ostracizing you because of who you are, because of how you express yourself. Um, I think one of the, the best things I could say is trying to find that community. Um, for example, now, now these kids got everything. They got BlurredCon, they've got Comic-Cons. There's TV shows about cosplay. There's furry conventions. There are anime conventions. It's, it, 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 it's so much easier now to find that community. So, you know, use the internet, use your Google Foo, seek out, you know, different areas of ways that you can express yourself. Talk to your mom and dad, say, mom, dad, I really wanna do this. I don't need anything else for my birthday but this, <laughs> you know? I don't even want a Christmas, just this, please. And, you know, or find, you know, uh, family members or friends that might be into that too. And, and just trying to find and build that little community because it's a lot easier to express yourself and feel that kind of way when you have someone else to resonate with. So I guess that's like the best I've got. <laughs> to the best of your knowledge, have you experienced any obstacles because of your cultural identity? Not yet. I'm preparing for when it does, but I think for the route that I'm going into, the children's book industry, um, one of the things I've noticed is that um, th there's this like key word called diversity. And um, so that is like the hot new ticket item nowadays. It's like, we need diverse characters. We need diverse books. We need diverse everything. Hopefully it's not a, just a hot commodity and it dies out. Hopefully it stays and it becomes a hot ticket. It becomes like a hot ticket word or phrase and it stays that way. Um, actually, I was talking to an art director and she's like, it's really hard to find people of color or LGBTQIA plus people that are illustrators or authors. And as an art director, I can't just message someone out of the blue and say, hey, we're looking for this um, book. Are you black? Can you do it? 
we'll pay your money, but we just got to make sure you're black. So she's like, if you are comfortable with it, put it out there. So now on my um, Instagram, it's just my name, an African-American children's book illustrator. So they know out of the, the blue that I am a person of color and that I and I this is what I'm interested in. And if they're looking for that kind of di that diverse background, go for it, because now people are vehemently searching for that now. So it's really exciting. It's really exciting to know that I can put my black card to something useful and lucrative. <laughs> but in terms of the animals, I was afraid of that, too. I wasn't sure how to um, express a character's blackness, so to say. But I'm able to figure it out by just like certain earrings or certain things that might be considered a little more Afrocentric. Um, we've got like her curly hair and we've, and I, you know, painted each individual braid in these characters. So I'm trying to figure out different ways to have these characters express it. Um, there is a series that I'm, that's just been in the, like brewing in my mind um, about like the experience that black people have um, from like generalizations from other people. Like I'm not just pretty for a black girl. And why do you pull your purse away when I sit down next to you? Little things like that. And even like just those little microaggressions. And I wanted to have like a portrait series of like these black seeming characters looking not exactly, not exactly hurt or vulnerable, but not exactly like angry or um, like uh, just like provoked or provoking. But there's a mix, and it's I can I can only explain it by like visuals. But I want to make that series because, um, and just to like explore how can I figure out their blackness as, as characters. And one thing I'm actually learning how to do is different hairstyles too. Obviously, your cultural identity is important to you. But I'm curious, since your creations are animals, how do you go about expressing your cultural identity whenever you? produce one of your creations yeah like there's little like little hints in there i mean there's some characters that are like if they were a human they'd be totally white like my baby girl daisy she's probably from some place in either like michigan or or like wisconsin that was totally my intent you know i mean like this is she if she was <laughs> if she was a care if a person she'd totally be a little white girl and that's totally fine by me like that's just you know, that was just the way that I saw her. But I'm glad that I'm not, um, I'm glad that I'm able to like experience a, a bit of diversity in those characters. I was actually um, at a concert last night, which is partially why my voice is like dead, shot, gone, hashtag wrecked. Um, <laughs> but I was at a concert with um, uh, an artist um, named Samus, and she was explaining how she, when she first learned how to create, when she was first creating, she completely erased her blackness from her imagination through her characters. And that completely resonated with me. I looked at a lot of my characters and I was like, these aren't me. You know, like I, they're not me. Like, and just like struggling with the fact of like, even in my imagination, even in a world that technically doesn't even exist, I'm not in it. So representation matters, all of that stuff is a big deal because when I make it big and I become a children's book illustrator and you know people are looking for me, I wanna be able to say, 
yeah, this is, you know, I'm successful, I'm successful, this is who I am, and this is my skin color too. Obviously, having diversity and diverse characters is more than about checking a box. Having said that, do you find yourself having to avoid certain stereotypes when you include your cultural identity in your creations? We have a complexity. Like another thing that Samus was talking about was the simple fact that we're complex as, especially black women, you know, there's a, a, like a perception that society puts on us that we have to be a certain way or that we have to always act a certain way. You know, like for example, like black women are aggressive. I'm, I'm a Scorpio, I'm really chill. But I, I mean, it takes a lot to make me mad. I'm just like my old man. Like it takes me so long to get upset. And I'm usually like, I don't have the energy to sit up there and get upset over something because like, I just don't have the energy right now. So, but one of the things that I try to do is that um, I am, I'm very chill. I have a holistic view on things. I'm into like herbalism and witchy stuff. I'm like into like the complete, like not like netherworld of what is considered a black woman. And it's just, I am not the stereotype. I'm completely different from it and like deal with it. Like <laughs> that's who I am. Um, so there's like this complexity, like you can read books, but you can twerk, you know, or you can, <laughs> I can't by the way, so please don't ask. <laughs> Y'all on the internet, please don't ask. I can't do it. <laughs> but um, like you can like video games and you can sit up there and like rap music, like you can like all this stuff. And it's just a, it's, we're complex people. And that's one of the things that is really important for people to know that I'm just not, I'm not the stereotype. And I'm also guilty of it too. Like I can look down the street on somebody and be like, oh, that person's such and such. But this convention literally taught me that like all of these people could be like from the hood, but also like nerding out on like Power Rangers and stuff. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. It like breaks down the walls and it breaks down the stereotypes and it breaks down all of my perceptions too. And all of my microaggressions that I put on other people too. So we're not all perfect. And it's just, it's just, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you for listening to this Urban Guru podcast and tune in next time for another episode.